It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 147. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, Audible.com. If you're like me, you like to read, but you're having trouble finding the time to squeeze in all those great books, well, Audible.com is a perfect solution. The audiobooks are great. I never thought I would like them, but I love them now. It's a great way to get caught up. I listen to and get caught up on the book as I'm driving to work, if I'm exercising, any free time, working out in the yard, I can get caught up in all my reading. You can go to uh, my website, doseofleadership.com slash audible, and you can uh, download a free audiobook. Any audiobook they have, over 100,000 titles to choose from, you can download it for free, listen to it. You can sign up for 30 days with no obligation. If you don't like it after 30 days, you can cancel your subscription. But again, it's no risk to you. Go check out doseofleadership.com slash audible and make your smartphone smarter. All right, I'm excited to have on my show today David Mead. He's committed to a world in which people go home every day fulfilled by the work they do. David works with business leaders and organizations to help create cultures that make the idea possible. Everything he does is designed to propel positive change so that people can progress toward what really matters to them. Much of his early career was spent in the corporate training environment where he developed and wrote training curricula and he facilitated in the U.S. and Canada. And through his work, he became acquainted with Simon Sinek. And inspired by the whole Y movement and the opportunity to create greater positive impact in the world, David partnered with Simon in the Start With Y team in 2009. And this partnership has paired Simon's simple, inspiring ideas with David's natural ability to capture and apply them in a variety of ways to share the message at scale. David, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, it's glad to, glad to have you here. And, you know, we talked to your uh, partner and friend, uh, uh, Peter Docker, a few weeks ago. So, again, tell us a little bit more, like I asked him, tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got started and passionate about this whole idea of leadership and positive change. Well, I think it's uh, always been something that's that's been in there. Um, what Simon helped me do is just to, to put some language to it and put some, some definition to it. Um, so the, I guess the, where it started was I was, uh, I was working in a little startup company here in Salt Lake, and uh, I was really drawn to them because of, you know, the kind of the purpose that they served. Or, or you know, when I went in for an, an initial interview, I wasn't quite frankly all that excited about what they did, which was, um, it was a, a door-to-door sales company for satellite TV, and I thought, yeah. But <laughs> right. it was a friend that referred me to it. Uh, one of his friends had, had started it, and so I went in because I was looking for something a little bit better than what I had. And uh, what they told me was, yeah, you know, what we do is we sell satellite TV, but really the, the whole point of the company is to bring in young people who are entrepreneurially minded and give them, this is sort of a, a platform for them, sort of a, a, a place for them to 
learn about how to run their own business, what it takes to, to be a business owner, what it, you know, how, how they can develop those entrepreneurial skills and things that they kind of naturally gravitate to anyway. So uh, the idea was to kind of give them the training and, and to provide this education for them and so that they can make some money and learn how to sell because as an entrepreneur, that's obviously an important skill. They would, you know, they had this, um, you know, this kind of the sales channel where they would go out and sell satellite TV so they could make some money. And I thought, wow, that's really kind of a cool idea to, you know, be all about the development of people and get them to go out and start their own thing and to start a business that they're passionate about. And, you know, this is a great place for them to start uh, with those with some of that stuff. So I was really drawn to them because of that and because of, you know, their, their why. I didn't know the terminology back then because I hadn't met time. But uh, I'd been there for about a week and... Um, through some connection of the, the CEO, I can't remember exactly uh, who it was, but um, somebody knew Simon, and so they brought Simon in to, to give a talk. And uh, this was before Simon's TED Talk. This was before you know the books or anything like that, so nobody had any clue who this guy was. And uh, he came and spoke for you know 45 minutes, and it just that concept that he had just resonated with me so much. And uh, I, I was uh, hired to to be in charge of the training and development for this little company. So I took the concept of the golden circle and, and why as I have you know, heard it and understood it from Simon Sock and uh, incorporated it into the, the training manual that I was writing for this company and uh, gave him a copy of it you know, next time he came to town just to kind of show him what he had inspired. And uh, he was just super excited by the fact that I could hear him speak you know, one time for 45 minutes and take this, this concept and put it into such, uh, and put it into a tangible format, which uh, by his own admission, he's not all that great at doing. So, um, long story short, a couple months later, he called me back and, and asked me to come and help him develop what is um, now had several iterations, the Y Discovery course at StartWithY.com. So um, I helped him with that along with along with some other administrative things, and um, just became part of the part of the team and, and and seen this movement grow and just become more and more passionate about it as I become more involved and been able to now work with with individuals and companies to help them not only understand the concept but to be able to, to start applying it and to start shifting their cultures based on, on the ideas. So it's just it's been awesome. What a great story. I love that. I love the fact that you took the initiative that you, you know, were so kind of moved by the kind of the common sense nature of the start with why message and movement. And it is, it's so, it's so common, you know, it's, that's what's so beautiful about it. It's so simple to understand. Um, yeah. And uh, I love that you took the initiative and kind of just stepped out in faith and said, "Hey, look what what you think," and you never know what doors that open. And obviously, it opened up some doors for you. So good, good for you on that. That's that's a great story. What? what yeah, thanks. What have you seen? Um, obviously, you've been. Obviously, you believe that there is a positive change, positive impact by kind of applying this uh, kind of um, belief set. What has kind of been the most exciting thing you've seen? You got any specific examples or something that really got you excited about uh, people, individuals, or businesses transformed by kind of adopting the Start With Why concept? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing couple. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind in general is, um, the, I mean, I, I co-host a podcast as well, um, Start With Why podcast, and, and we have guests on there, and, you know, we've, we've come to meet them through, you know, them reaching out to the Start With Why team and just sort of telling their story and, you know, being inspired by the message and letting them, letting us know what they have done with it. And so, you know, oftentimes we'll follow up with people like that and kind of get their story. But there was, uh, there's one guy that just specifically uh, pops to mind, which is a guy by the name of Craig Underhill. And he is an accountant, uh, owns an accounting firm in, in the Napa Valley in California. 
And generally, I mean, when you think about an accountant, it seems like, you know, I mean, pretty low-key, you know, right, right. maybe not that exciting of a career, that kind of thing. But Craig um, has taken this concept and, you know, without any help from us necessarily, but just, you know, through his own research and reading and, and study of it, has completely shifted his organization. Uh, and the reason I think it's so exciting is because he's taken a, a type, an organization or, or an industry where it's generally seen as, you know, kind of, Ugh, accounting, yeah, that's it. Boring, right. And he's turned it turned it into uh, a completely different type of organization. So, just as an example, um, his you know his why or the essence of his why is to make the Napa Valley a better place to live, work, and play. And so, everything that he does and, and everything he encourages his staff to do is around that concept. So, yes, they do accounting stuff, and he also um, kind of requires, but everybody wants to do it anyway, to take a certain amount of time off per month to go do something for the community. Um, and he pays them to do that. And so it's, I mean, he's really living the why in a way that he's inspiring people to not only do the jobs that they do, but also to become more involved in the community that they're in. And it's all tied around this this concept of why. So that's been, that's one example that pops to mind that's just been really, really cool to see. That's great. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up that example of accounting or an accountant. And it's so right. We put so emphasis, so much emphasis on maybe talents and credentials and the schooling and everything else, and we think that is kind of the key and the path to success. And again, talent is a given. you got to have those things. I mean, to be a good accountant, mm-hmm. you have to have that technical ability to be a good accountant. But I think what we fall short on in this this example that you gave me, and his name was Craig, is that you said? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, here's an example of a guy. Yeah, okay, it's a given. He's got to be a good accountant. Accountant, but now you got to take it one step further. Why? Wh- what can I do with this kind of uh, my position in my lot where I'm at and make a huge impact? And the reality is, no matter what your position, your title, or your skill set, you can literally change the world. At least you're part of it if you tap into the purpose or what I always call the intent. Like, why are we doing what we're doing? And if people know that, man, they're so free to make autonomous, you know, powerful decisions. And that just really can just take an organization or at least an individual at a minimum, but an organization and a group effort into a whole nother arena if they're just tapped into kind of this bigger purpose and intent. Yeah, and the thing that I'm learning too, and, it, and this goes, uh, and I think Craig is a, is a great example, and there are certainly others, but there are, you know, often we, we feel like our organizations, what we offer has to be sort of the thing that we contribute to the community right. or to contribute to the lives of others, but it, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with our product or service. And so I'll, I'll give you another just short example, which is, um, and Simon talks about this company in, in his new book, uh, Leaders Eat Last, but it's um, a company called Barry Waymiller. And they're based in St. Louis, and they're <clears throat> it's, it's just good old-fashioned blue-collar American manufacturing. They, they, they build machines. Um so you would think, well, geez, I mean, I guess you could try to come up with a wife for that company that has something to do about, something to do with, you know, I, I don't know, building the country. So, I mean, using their, their product somehow to, to make people's lives better, they don't even, their why has nothing to do with their product, has nothing to do with the machines that they build or the industry that they're in. Their why is all about building people to do incredible things. Right. So they, they build their organization to develop people and what they happen to do, you know, to give those people a job is, you know, they build machines, but they, people come to work, and yes, they've got their, their function of, you know, working on the shop floor and, and making these machines, but it's more than that. They offer 
um, you know, consist constant training for these people, leadership opportunities, and things that are just there. They're just there to develop people, and their business is a platform for people, which is just awesome. That is awesome, and I, you're exactly right. I remember I, I had a, a struggle when I got uh, laid off from. I went, came out of right of the Marine Corps and I got hired by American being a pilot and then I got laid off and I've talked about the story a lot on this show so a lot of the listeners are familiar with this story but my point is I struggled for a long time and I kind of had an aha moment and I was working at a company and they manufactured you know decorative lawn and garden stuff and I really struggled with that because here I came from and I put a lot of stock and identity in flying planes and being a Marine Corps officer and so I struggled with God, but we just we're, we're getting stressed about bird feeders and wind chimes, and it, I really struggled with that. And almost to the to my kind of my immaturity and my naivete about looking at the bigger picture. Until one day, I was you know my boss, who's still a good friend of mine, and um, he said, you know what we're doing is look at all the lives that are dependent upon this wind chime or this bird feeder, you know being a success the fact that we get it from china and everything else that this whole process look at there's 350 people whose livelihoods are dependent upon that so it's not mm-hmm. about the product it's about the idea of creating opportunities for other people and that's what got him excited about the business and what made him such a great leader so i love i love that example yeah it's a great point actually and so you know and i and i would argue too that the you know this is why i resonate with the start with why so much because I would argue that the the main reason why the Marine Corps is so successful at what they do, or any warfighting institution for that matter, but I think the, the Marine Corps, I'm biased obviously towards them, but I've seen all of them work. It's because they spend an inordinate amount of time, effort, and resources on reminding people about what they're doing and why. In fact, in, even from simple orders and everything, from as an officer, you're trained – You've got to communicate maniacally the intent, the purpose, and what we're trying to do mm-hmm. here because that frees people up to make autonomous decisions in support of that. And that's how you can kind of maneuver and react in a kind of a chaotic, uncertain environment. And uh, that's why it resonates with me so well. And I think if more organizations would, if the higher you go up, the more that you can maniacally focus on and communicate alignment, purpose, and intent, and then couple that with an autonomous decision making process. Man, you're unstoppable, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and uh, the, just bringing up the Marine Corps, and I don't have the, the experience or the context, obviously, that you do. Um, Simon does talk a lot about them, and he's done a lot of work with them, uh, which he used for the new book as well. But um, it's it's all about that. It's all about creating that environment where you where you're confident that the people around you and your leadership has your back, and when they tell you that purpose, or when they tell you why it is that you're doing something that you're absolutely okay making a decision without checking with somebody else. I mean, if you know that it's going to help you get closer to that purpose that's been stated so clearly, yeah. then you can't make a... I mean, you know, if you make a, a wrong decision, um, it, it's kind of on you because you, you, knew what, you knew what the purpose of the... Of, you know, you knew kind of the outcome that you, were, that you were supposed to be striving for, and if you missed that, then, you know... Um, that's kind of on you, but when you know what the purpose is, like you said, autonomous decisions can be made without checking with somebody else because you know that it's the right decision based on the purpose that you're going for. Yeah, and what you just said, that's a great point and well said. And, and I think what what people need to understand is that what you've just done by doing that is you've introduced accountability into the organization, into that kind of totally. th- that kind of um, exchange, right? And that's what is so lacking is like you got some ownership, you got some accountability, you've got some you know, some pride associated with that, um, man, oh, I get, I get excited when I hear that stuff. That's why it's so powerful. And I wish more organizations would just see that that is really kind of the, the key to, um, strategic, not only, 
um, alignment but execution at the same time. You know, every- Can I tell you another story about Absolutely. that? Actually, this accountability thing that you just talked about kind of sparked a, a, a thought in my head. Um, and it has to do with the Navy, actually. Um, so it, do we have time for, for that story? Absolutely. Are you kidding? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so there's a, a, a guy that we uh, do a lot of work with named David Marquet, and um, he was a he's a retired uh, captain of a, of a nuclear submarine. Yep, he's been on so, the show. Yeah, great, great. Uh, have, you heard of, have, you heard, have you heard of him? Yeah, he's been on the show. Yeah, I love his stuff, yep. Oh, oh okay. So he may, have, he may have told this story already, so if he has, uh, just stop me. But um, So this guy is brilliant. I mean, yeah, on the show, obviously, he probably wouldn't have told you how incredibly brilliant he was, but <laughs> he graduated top of his class in Annapolis. He, I mean, just through his sheer brains, made, I mean, kind of rose to the ranks, uh, through the ranks of the Navy and, and ended up being able to um, captain a, uh, a nuclear submarine. So he was going to be, the plan was he was going to be a captain of the uh, Olympia, which um, he, st- I mean, a year out before he was going to take command of that ship, he began to study and he just learned, he knew everything, everything about that particular submarine. And three weeks before he was supposed to take command of that boat, he was told that his orders were changing and he was now going to be taking uh, taking charge of the Santa Fe. Yep. And the Santa Fe was like the bottom of the barrel. I mean, it was like it was a ship and crew everybody laughed at. They were the worst in performance, the worst in retention. Um, I think in, in the year before he uh, he came on, only three people uh, re-enlisted. Uh, so he made, and the reason that he was put in command of that ship was because the previous captain just had thrown up his arm and said, I quit. Right. So he knew nothing about this boat. The first time he stepped onto it was the first time that they actually went out for uh, some training. So they were uh, running some training exercises, and uh, the, they, they were running a simulation where they would, they would shut down the nuclear reactor, um, you know, to, to simulate a, a reactor failure or something like that. And uh, after they shut that down, they would switch over to the, the, um, the EPM, I think it's called, the, the battery-operated, you know, propulsion system while the engineers were fixing the, the nuclear reactor. So they shut down the reactor to simulate the problem, and, you know, the engineers were working on the, on the reactor, and they were, you know, going forward, and Marquette was starting to get a little bored. And so I said, he looked at his, his navigator, the next in command on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the bridge there, and he said, you know what, let's make this a little more exciting. Why don't we turn up the speed on the EPM? It comes with two speeds, generally, one-third and two-thirds so that it will drain the batteries faster so that the engineers working on the nuclear reactor have less time to get that nuclear reactor back up and running. So let's see how they do. And so he issued the order to his navigator, and he said, ahead two-thirds, which was the faster setting on the EPM. And the navigator repeated the order, helm, ahead two-thirds. And nothing happened. And so Marquet kind of looks around the periscope and looks at the helm, and then he said, helm, what's, what's the problem? And the kid was just squirming in his seat. <laughs> and he turned around and he said, Captain, there is no two-thirds setting. <laughs> so apparently this boat was a little bit different. Right. And he didn't know that because he hadn't had the time to, to, to study it. And so he turns to his navigator and he says, did you know this? And the navigator said, uh-huh. And Marquette said, well, why did you issue the order? And the navigator said, because you told me to. Yeah. And at that point, he knew that there was something that had to change on that boat. So he completely changed the culture from permission to, which is how they usually do things, right? Permission to dive to 400 feet. Permission to dive to 400 feet. Right? He completely changed that to, I intend. 
Captain, I intend to dive to 400 feet. Okay, dive to 400 feet. Didn't break the chain of command. He was still the final word, but what it did is it totally shifted the accountability yeah. onto all of the crew rather than onto him. Love it. And they, the result of that, and there's a lot more to it, obviously, but the result of this shift in culture to the I and 10 and everybody having ownership and responsibility and knowing that the decision they were about to make was going to affect the rest of the crew and the, and the ship. Um, the, the result of that was, I think, the, the year um, or the, the first time that re-enlistments came up uh, while he was the captain, they had 33 people re-enlist versus the three from the year before. Uh, and they went to the very top of the list on all of their performance metrics. Yeah. What a great example. I love that story. And, uh, you know, Dave, I'm a huge fan of David Marquet. And like I said, he was on this show. A quick plug. It's episode 11, way back when I first started this podcast. So I apologize for my uh, um, my interviewing skills have come a long way, I think, I hope. But the content with David, who's the hero on this, the, what a great story. And you're right. And I love that book, Turn the, you know, he documents it all in that book, Turn the Ship Around. And you're right. I mean, you know, leadership greatness, as he puts, is unachievable, right? You can't achieve it if you're simply giving instructions, and that's that's what I got out of that story that you just shared with us. I mean, it can't. Instead, you yeah. got you got to give the intent. You got to give uh, the control to them. You have to, and it, like you said, it it puts the accountability on everybody, and everybody's kind of in it together. And and uh, you know, blind blind obedience to orders, which I think a lot of people think the the military is all about. And David even highlights in his book that that's how he kind of was kind of trained initially thinking that this is about, yeah. you know, and in his, and what he does so great in that book is a kind of that um, transformation to this kind of what we're talking about here about commander's intent and focusing on purpose intent and why, and because that blind obedience really does just stifle everything. And that, that example you gave where they go, well, yeah, I knew it, but um, why didn't you speak up? <laughs> well, because you told me to, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> yeah, people, yeah, yeah, yeah it's what a great story. I'm so glad that you brought him up too, because I'm a big fan. You know, he's he is so he is he is very sharp and brilliant when it comes to not only the technical side, because you know, nuclear submarine, my God, you got to you know the big old brain on that for that, but just the mm-hmm. the kind of common sense human side of it. He really has come. I, I love what he has to say. So, so yeah, who who, great were, book. who were your heroes? I mean, who who did you really look up to, or and even now, I mean, who who really stands out? Um, you know, that's an interesting question, and I get asked that, I don't want to say often or or anything, but um, it, it is so hard for me to say, uh, because it's it's mostly, I mean, it's not necessarily people that, you know, are, are, are well-known. Yeah, I'm with you. But there have been, you know, there are certain people in my life that, um, and, and quite frankly, I have to think about it, because I, I didn't grow up with really any role models, necessarily, which is really odd. I, I, I kind of get that. Um but it's and it's not necessarily maybe specific people, but I know the types of people that really inspire me, and they're the ones, and, and I've become more conscious of them, obviously, since you know I've, I've sort of been down this path of start with why and that kind of thing. But it's people who are willing to put the needs of others before their own. Yeah. And it's people. I mean, it's, and, and people who have the have the ability to inspire me to do something more, not for myself, but for other people. And that's the the constant thing that I'm striving to do is to be that kind of person for somebody else, where I can release some sort of some some sort of um, understanding or or recognition in themselves that they have so much to offer somebody else. You know, yeah. through, through the, the the amazing gifts and talents that they have. 
Well, I like what you're saying. I mean, I agree with you. I think that uh, most of us, I think, early on, and when we think about leadership, especially when we're in college and we finally get out in, in the real world, I think we it's almost like unless you've really been mentored and taught, I think everybody kind of goes through this process of like, ah, I got to be the person with all the answers or it is all about authority and giving decisions. But really at the heart of leadership and, you know, and it really separates from management is that piece that you're talking about that it comes from the head and the heart and that it comes from really an act of love. In my opinion, I think it's it, that that's what it's really all yeah. about and helping, you know, it's all about service, sacrifice, and and selflessness. And I think that uh, what you're talking about is is something that I don't know if a lot of people. I mean, and I think we we want to look at that, and and, it, and it's attractive. But I think, unfortunately, a lot of people who don't know or understand what leadership is, and I'm talking about people that are in the business world, that we think that it's not about those. That it is about the tactics and the talent in uh, the bottom line, and and I just don't think it is. I think what what's missing so much in organization is the exact opposite, is the kind of the head and heart piece. Yeah, and and bring up another point, which um, which is another kind of one, another one of those attributes that uh, I'm learning to to do better myself, and I'm I'm encouraging others to do is that when we are in some sort of leadership position, and and, and a lot of times, you know, in the work that I do, I have the opportunity to meet with senior leaders of organizations and. I think there's this expectation that because, you know, I've been here for so long or because I've, I've had such a, I have so much experience in this, in this, you know, industry or in this career field that I'm expected to know all the answers. Right. And what we're, you know, what we're teaching people is that it's okay not to know because that gives you the opportunity to create the environment where the people around you can come up with their creativity and ideas, and you can get through it together. I mean, it's just, it's just, it makes for more, it, it makes more sense when trying to get over a, a, a challenge or a hurdle that you have, and rather than sitting in your office trying to think about all the smart stuff that you know that you've learned. That's one brain thinking about it, but why not just admit that you know what? I don't have all the answers, so that's okay. That's why you're here. That's why I hired all the rest of you. That's so right. let's work together and figure this out. And the byproduct of that is that you've got, you, you build more relationship and more trust among the leader and, the, you know, the, the direct reports. Um, and it, it's a, it feeds on itself and it becomes a better better relationship and a better environment. I love that you said that and that you're so right. And uh, a couple clients that I've coached and I've worked with and I've seen that the exact same thing is this like, uh, I just, I don't feel confident that I have all the answers. I mean, I've heard that phrase and I'm like, well, no one says you had to have it all. And then when they finally kind yeah. of realized it, I mean, what a tremendous burden. And you, you, you can almost see the relief. And you can almost see the kind of creative freedom that kind of emanates from the organization once they tap into that. Oh, I love that you said that. It's so true. And it sounds so simple when you and I are talking about it. And it's like, why? And I think, I don't know if it's ego gets in the way, pride, or the, the, fear, the fear that you're going to appear weak and not fitting of that role. That's one thing I found out too. And I've certainly, when I've been given leadership positions, even though I had the confidence, um, I was looking forward to the challenge. Um, there still was a lot of self doubt that creeped in about, man, am I even worthy of this position? Am I going to be found out that I'm not really, you know, cut out for this role? And you would be surprised at how many people in top positions think that way. And you know what? It's okay to think that way. And I think the more that you can kind of be, uh, do I say vulnerable? I don't mean that in the kind of, watch me cry, yeah. wear your emotions on the sleeve, but there's a there's a great deal of vulnerability to admit what you just said, but man, there's a tremendous amount of power in that too, if you handle it the right way. Yeah, and I, I, I struggle with that a bit myself because I, um, I mean, I'm 37, but I 
to most people, I look like I'm in my late twenties. Right. So I'll show up to, you know, I'll show up to an event where I've got, you know, all these senior leaders or people that are twice my age in the room. Right. Um, and, and, and I used to let myself think, oh man, you know, what do I know? I, I haven't done any of the stuff that they've done. I haven't held any of the positions that they've held. And, you know, am I really, can I really speak to them? Right. But, you know, absolutely. And if, you know, and, and here's the thing too, is we don't have to please everybody. Right. Uh, I think that's the other, that's the other pitfall that I think we can fall into as, as leaders is that we have to make everybody happy or we have to have, be, be respected by everyone. You know what? We don't. Let's do what we do. Let's believe in what we believe in. Let's speak authentically. Let's stay and do what we actually believe. And those who believe the same thing as us, we're going to, you know, form a great group and work together. And those who don't, well, maybe there's, there's a better option for them. Yeah, I love it. Love what you said. Tell me more about your podcast. I mean, uh, tell me what how that's going and, and, and what's your kind of mission behind that. So the um, it's the Start With Why podcast. So, you know, Simon, we were talking about this. Oh, shoot, it's been probably three years now. And he said, you know, wouldn't it be cool to, to start a podcast and maybe give people a little more depth on some of this, this stuff? So um, I co-host it with Stephen Shedlutsky, who is on the Start With Why team as well. And the really the in our language, the why behind it is to give people a greater depth of, of understanding about the whole concept of the why in the golden circle and the concepts that support it so that they're able to better um, begin to apply it within their own uh, organizations. And what we've really sort of focused it on is, is business. And, of course, the, you know, the why has personal individual applications as well. But uh, where really the, the world that we imagine is one in which you know, most people wake up inspired to go to work and come home at the end of the day fulfilled by the work that they do. So, um, we so we focus a little bit more on work, and it's not okay. I mean, we've you know we haven't done as much as we would like to with it simply because we're such a small team. There's so much other stuff to do. Sure, yeah. And um, as, as hard as we try to to put episodes out there regularly, it just it just doesn't happen. So the ones that we put out, I think, are pretty good. Um, but we're you know it's it's not anything you know as we don't have, you know, 300 episodes out there or anything yet, but uh, it's just, it's interesting to, and, and the, the cool thing about it is, is the more we talk about it, you know, Stephen and I, and the more we kind of get our guests involved and, and, and work through this stuff, the, the greater our understanding becomes, and so we're able to share the message even better, and you've probably found the same thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Yours. I got to tell you, it's been a, a PhD in leadership and uh, of talking with and doing these interviews. It's one of my most enriching activities of the day it really is uh because it keeps me focused it reminds me things i get something out of every conversation um and i think that's what podcasts should be about i mean it's there's really no other medium where you can get really in-depth conversations without the worry of some you know plugging some product or or some two and a half minutes of mindless commercials you know but uh Yeah, it's been great. And uh, so, where can people find you? How can they, people get in touch with you and, and propel? And I mean, where can people reach out and, and get in touch with you? So, uh, a couple of ways. My website directly is propel-inc.com. Uh, there's also a link to my website from startwithy.com, which is Simon's website. So, uh, we've partnered together on a bunch of things, and uh, that's those are the, the two easiest ways to find me. I'm on Twitter at DJ Mead as well. And uh, yeah, that about covers everything. Well, I'll have links to these on, on the um, the post when I get this posted so people can easily find it. But, um, man, what a fun conversation. I'm so glad I met you, um, and I look forward to staying in touch with you, maybe collaborating with you on something in the future. I mean, I love what you're doing. Um, I think you guys are doing great work. Thanks for coming on the show. 
You're welcome. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.